Well, what was all that other stuff then? If you're just getting ready now, what was all that? That's just a precursor. That's when Jesus gets ready to, he says, I'm, I'm going to preach now. Then he gives the Sermon on the Mount, and then after the Sermon on the Mount, he starts to preach. And then after that, he starts to preach again. See, our problem is we want everything in little bite-sized, convenient packages. Amen? So, let's go. Let's pray. You got a Bible in your hands? How about sticking your face in it? Yeah, Jesus. Or maybe you want to lay it right there on your heart. Kathy was holding hers up in the air earlier. Yes, Jesus. Whatever it is, but don't, uh, I don't know, you might want to stand on it. You might want to sit on it. One thing we don't want to do is let it gather dust. We don't want it to be something that sits over there. So, Lord, I pray that, God, you'll help us right now to get it into our heart, that, God, it'll be in our spirit, that you will enliven us and enlighten us to your word, that, God, you'll help us to accomplish everything that you want to to be done if according to your word, God, that you'll open up our hearts, our minds, and our understanding. Give us wisdom, God. We look to you to speak to us. For your servant is listening. In Jesus' name. Amen. So in Hebrews, you can actually, if you want to cheat, you can just go to your, uh, you can just look in your bulletin because it's printed out in your bulletin. But uh, it's, it's, the, it's the passage, one of the passages, we're, we're saying let love increase, and that's why the video, and we'll come back to that in just a bit. But it says let love increase. The power of connection. How many of you know about the power of connection? Power of connection. If it's an extension cord, if it's a, any plug-in device, if it's a battery that you've got to put positive, negative in right, however it is, there's this power of connection. It's the reason that people sought Jesus and the woman says, if, if I just touch the hem of his garment, my life will change. See, if I just touch, if I just touch the hem of his garment, that's why he's given us community. That's why he established a church. That's why God calls it a body. And then he talks about our body parts. And then he talks about our gifts. And then he talks about this unity. So he, he really sums it all up in the connection that we have in the church because we have one common goal, one specific purpose or reason for coming together. And that's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's to exalt God. See? And so it's, oh yeah, it's all about hearing a prophetic word. Oh yeah, it's all about getting prayed for. Yeah, it's about all those other things, but it's not. Those are all subsidiaries. Those are all tributaries. Those are all little paths that we can go down and that encompasses all of what church life is. But folks, it comes down to a single kind of focal point and that's, that's about God and his purposes. And when we come together for those purposes, when we do it with the right heart, in the right spirit, seeking to utilize our gifts to bless, then what happens is, is that all those other things will be taken care of. Because the intercessors are going to pray, and the, 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 the ones who are prophets, they'll prophesy. And everything else that needs to happen would happen, but we've got to come together. And there's something that, that he requires for his church to do. He, he says he's going to be the head of it. Not everybody who wants to run church their way, even a pastor, 
is not the head of it. It's going to be Christ is the head. And any time Christ is not the head, it is out of order. It is dysfunctional. And because of that, you will have wandering. And you will stray. And you will be bouncing into stuff and bouncing off of stuff. And we'll end up being offended and we'll offend others. And so it's essential for us to keep Jesus at the center point. See? He's got to be that this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it. We're coming here to, to exalt him. See how single-minded that is? So in Hebrews uh, 13, in the first six verses, that's really where we're going to go. And then if you want to mark Romans 12, we're going to go there too, if time allows. So let's go. Hebrews chapter 13. It'll be up on the wall. I don't remember what version I gave you. Did I give you a version? Yeah, there we go. Okay, the message. That's good. Because I'm going to read it here, and then I'm going to read it there because a couple good things. Here it is. Before we put it up on the wall, just for... Let love of the brethren continue. What does that indicate? There's already a level of love going on, right? Let, Let the love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them and those who are ill-treated since you yourselves are in the body. Marriage is to be held in high honor among all and the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you nor will I forsake you, so that we are confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? So if you go to the bulletin there, just as a quick reference, I want you to see it according to the message version. Now remember, the message is a paraphrase. The message isn't something that is meant to be taken necessarily literal. When you take it, and you can use King James Version, you can use the NIV, you can use the NAS, you can use all kinds of different versions. But what you do is, then you, the reason for reading a different version is for what? Clarity. Not confusion, clarity. Because sometimes the words we read don't make sense to us. That's why language is a continually something that changes and transforms. And we, we come up with language that, that suits our culture, if you will. So it's important in this case, when we're looking at Bible, we're looking at certain things. Remember the original reference. If that doesn't do it for you, the light don't come on, then then look at another version or translation, as they call them. So in this case, on the wall, stay on good terms with each other. And you just heard me say it in the New American Standard. Stay on good terms with each other, held together by love. Be ready with a meal or a bed when it's needed. Why, some have extended hospitality to angels without ever knowing it. Regard prisoners as if you were in prison with them. Look on victims of abuse as if what happened to them had happened to you. Honor marriage and guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. Don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Be relaxed with what you have. Since God assured us, I'll never let you down, never walk off and leave you. We can boldly quote, God is there, ready to help. I'm fearless no matter what. Who or what can get to me? 
who or what can get to me? I said, Joel, it's really very close to our, God is here to meet with you in a special way, Life Tree Cafe. Here it is. I'm fearless no matter what. Why? Because God is here ready to help. If he said he'll never leave me nor forsake me, doesn't matter what my life looks like right now because he is here with me. He, that's his, his word to me, not my pleading with him. You understand? Though we might plead for him, he's already declared that's who he is. So here's a couple things. If you underline your bulletin or you will highlight it or whatever you want to do, there's a, a couple of simple principles about the power of connection. The first one is, it says about it, is that we've got to stay together. It says held together by love. Stay on good terms with each other. How do you stay on good terms with each other? You're held together by love. I'm going to tell you, 1 Corinthians 13 isn't part of my dialogue today. What do you do? What what does it say about 1 Corinthians 13? Remember how verse 4 starts out and talks about love? Love is what? Patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. When I'm doing that at a wedding, I almost want to stop and say, how good are we doing with this? Because the truth is, we don't do so good with all of that. We have a record of wrongs. I've I've got it right there. Why? It's proof that I'm right. Somebody else is wrong. Yeah, and you know what? I'll be quick to poke you in the eye with it too. Isn't that what we do? We justify ourselves. We defend ourselves by it. We actually support ourselves in some way. I feel better because of this. So the truth is, is the way I'm going to stay in good terms with each other is I'm held together by love. Love overcomes a multitude of sins. Be ready with a meal or a bed when it's needed. So in verse 1, held together by love. Uh, Be ready with a meal or a bed when it's needed. Why, some have extended hospitality to angels without ever knowing it. Did you see in the video how many people didn't want anything to do with these freaks holding a sign that said free hugs? By the way, that was in Spain. Italy? Italy. Okay. It was in Italy. Nobody wanted any, oh, freaks, weirdos, what are you? Are you gay? Can you imagine? So, you know, a guy comes wanting to hug you. What do you want to do? Wow. Really? Look at how bad the devil's perverted life. See? Woman to woman. Women are probably more apt to hug, you think? At least another woman. Guys, man. Did you notice it just took one? Just first person, and then all of a sudden the hugging thing began to just go like wild. See, it just takes one. If you'll be that, choose to be that light, if you'll be the person that will say, I'm going to do the right thing because it's the right thing. See, I'm, I'm going I'm to love. I'm going to let love increase. I'm going to forget about my own needs, my own woundedness, my own issues, my own problems, and I'm going to love. Why? Because that's what God did. So, regard prisoners as if you were in prison with them. Look on victims of abuse as if what happened to them had happened. Now, that's not hard to to take on somebody else's offense. Do you see what I'm saying? That to to that abuse is oh you've been I so I can identify with them in their abuse and I hate I hate men I hate da 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 da. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the idea of you rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. We're talking about the idea that I, I'm with you in your pain. You still need to forgive. Arlene told me last night she was reading somebody on Facebook post wanted to, wanted to take revenge on someone. Anybody else see the post? 
I don't know who she's friends with, but they wanted to take revenge and they wanted permission and they asked the Facebook crowd, what do you say? Can I take revenge? And some of them were like, go for it. Seriously? I don't know if this is a Christian crowd or not on this Facebook posting thing, but actually there were quite a few. I'd say overwhelmingly the responses were no. As a matter of fact, one quoted, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Guess what? When you get the right heart, You won't want vengeance. You won't want them to repay. You won't want them to get what they deserve. You'll want them to get grace just like you got. See, that shows you you're really being transformed in your attitude and in your heart, in your mind. Amen. So when it comes down to prison, um, I'm trying to think. We did prison ministry. The worst one I ever went into was Attica up in New York. Remember there were riots at Attica's prison up in New York? And so uh, going in there... I remember there was a whole bunch of people who were cussing, um, doing things that were really detestable, things that were violent, things that were uh, when they saw us coming. But there were others that the room packed. There were about 35, 40 guys in that room that all loved Jesus and were desperate for him. Some knew him before, backslid, got caught in in, uh, their backslidden state, ended up in prison. Some of them found Jesus in the... the, uh, Um, penitentiary. And what I remember is, look at this dichotomy here. We've got this this big difference between these guys are in this population and they love Jesus and these guys are evil and wicked and bad. And you know what? It takes the heart of Jesus to be able to have compassion on those. This is easy to love, right? Because we all love Jesus. Those over there, not so much. I don't want anything to do with them. Do you know what happens? Uh, Kevin and I talked about this recently. Do you know what has to happen? If you were in prison, how would you change? Would you change if you went to prison? Let's even say you were convicted. Uh, Every now and then it turns up that somebody was found through DNA or some other thing that they were imprisoned and they they weren't the one. You ever hear about that? So what if you were in prison? How would you change? I tell you what, I wouldn't be able to be, oh, Mr. Happy Guy in prison. Do you know what happens to happy guys in prison? It's called, let's say it in a gingerly way, sissified. Okay? It is not a good thought. It's not reasonable. It's not something that you want to happen to you. The prison mentality is one that you have to harden yourself. You have to be badder than the other guy. You know, most of us can think about that, but you ever identify with what that looks like? And when they come out, what are they going to be like in the world? Does it take a little while for those edges to to be roughed off and for them to come to, to trusting again, to be able to be vulnerable? So, you know, those people are ruffians because they have to be because that's a survival technique. So guess what? For those of us who are gingerly and happy-go-lucky and all that, and you meet people sometimes and they rub us the wrong way, do you know why? Because that was a survival technique that they lived in. And the longer they were in it, the more entrenched they are in it. And you know what it takes? It takes some love and compassion and mercy and understanding. It takes people identifying with them in what was going on in their, in their mind. So guess what? If you feel threatened by them, that's, that's exactly what they learned to be when they were in prison. I know that firsthand because I was in for a couple of hours one time. Don't mess with me. No, I was. And I was in with a guy. 
I was innocent, and I was in with a guy who was being extradited from Michigan to New York, and he was being expedited for, uh, for drugs and for assault. And I'm, I think I was 15. I might have been 16. Hello? What are you in for? There's three hours. I don't need any more than that. Go into prison ministry, dealing with people who have been in prison. You know one of the worst things? We've got a guy here uh, who uh, he came one day, wanted to just dig, do, do whatever I can. He needed help and wanted to know if, uh, if I had any jobs for him to do. So I had some digging out of a, an old drainage pipe here, couldn't find, and uh, just had him dig a hole because I was going to dig it anyway. So now he's there digging it. Gave him, told him I'd give him 50 bucks. Now, if he really pressed on me and told me he couldn't do it, I would have given him 50 bucks more than likely. But the truth is, he was doing it. He got sick in the process, didn't do so well. Um, said he'd come back the next morning when it wasn't so hot. Never showed up again. Called me around Christmas time because he didn't have anything for his family. So, met him, gave him some things so he could bless his family. Called me again, showed up here at the church. Doesn't attend this church, never has. Um, but consistently has a need. And at some point, I began to get a little bit of an attitude. And guess what happened? Then God said, well, now then. So I began to think about how this guy is and what's going on in his life and why he's the way he is. And I said, here's the deal. I'm not really helping you because nothing's getting any better. You're always going to have this need because there's a, rud- there's a, a rudimentary principle. There's something that goes right back down to the core of things, and that's what we have to change. Now, at that time, he didn't accept it. You know what? I told him he needs to find a church in St. Clairsville. That's where he's at. Find a church in St. Clairsville. He needs to be there every time the doors are open. He needs to begin to surround himself with people who love him, who he'll allow to speak into his life, even the things that he doesn't want to hear, especially the things he doesn't want to hear. Do you know what that's advice for all of us? Because the truth is, is you surround yourself with people who do tickle your ears and make you feel good. And that's good to have that. But it's also good to have people who will bust your chops in love. (laughs) Amen? Yes. Yeah. In bondage. Yeah, that's good. Good point. We're not just talking about prisoners because been in jail, because everybody else. How many of you have never been in jail? Let me see. Okay, that's probably safer than asking who was in jail, right? <laughs> so, remember Jackie? Jackie sat at the back, and he, he said one time, he said, um, he said, uh, Pastor, I can't vote because I'm, a, I'm an ex-con, convicted felon. He didn't like that. I don't know, whatever that is, but, but, but it is what it is. But, you know, there were nobody that I saw distance themselves because they knew Jackie was an ex-felon, an ex-con. Wow, how proud I was because people didn't distance themselves. Do you know why? Because we can identify. Because the truth is, some of us should have been in jail, and we got away with it. That's my story. I got away with it, except from him. I didn't. All right, let's move on. I got to. Here's the deal. Look at victims. 
look at prisoners, identify with them. So if what happened to them happened to you, then the next one comes down all the way down at the bottom. It says, since God assured us, I'll never let you down, in verse 5 actually, don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Hello? Be relaxed, chill with what you have. Since God assured us, I'll never let you down, never walk off and leave you. We can boldly quote, God is there ready to help. I'm fearless no matter what. Can you say no matter what? Are you fearless no matter what? Usually, not so much. I'm fearful. (laughs) Things happen to me. I get overwhelmed with fear. No, not me. But I have moments where I slip, see? I'm fearless no matter what. Who or what can get to me? So you see the questions on the bottom. Where must I grow in love the most? Could you answer that question for yourself? What's God saying? What's the Spirit of God saying to you? Where can I grow in love the most? Why? Because stay on good terms with each other, held together by love. Let the love of the brethren continue. Where must I let love grow the most? Maybe it's where I'm, I'm the least merciful or the least patient. Maybe it's where I'm the least compassionate. When I see somebody hurting, when I see somebody who's poor or broke down or driving a junker, that, that I, I'm, I'm thinking scumbag instead of thinking, well, I wonder if there's any way of helping them to learn how to really live. Do you think that? That might be assuming that you know how to really live. And we might bring them up a notch, but it might not be where they need to be yet. How about the next one says, how connected to the body am I? See, because coming Sunday mornings, you know that they figure that people, the national surveys for the last 20 years, generally every year they say the same thing. People consider regular church attendance going twice a month to church. That's it. Now, I don't know if that means Wednesdays as well. But the issue is, is that's not really regular church attendance. I mean, if you did anything else in your physical reality only twice a month, would that be normal at all? And the answer will be no, of course not. So think about the continually coming together. That's real connection. It's the idea that the hand can't say to the foot, I don't have any need of you. There's a connectedness that we've got to have. You matter. You make a difference. When you believe a lie and you think that I don't need to be there, there's nothing for me there, you're just believing a lie. And then you're cooperating with the devil who doesn't want you going to church. What? It's not about you? But it is about you. It's not about you, but it is about you. You know why it is? It's not about you being blessed and getting your little jollies at church on Sunday. It's about why are you there? You're there to praise God. You're there to seek Him. You're there to participate in the community of faith. And that's a regular thing. It should be a regular thing. And so it's about you, but it's not about you. And sometimes that can be confusing. Well, I've asked pastor, but he just won't let me do anything. Well, maybe the idea is is that you haven't actually asked pastor. You've told pastor. There's a big difference. This is what I'll do versus what do you need me to do? Do you get that? So then part of it is, is take the ball and run with it. By the way, women, we're trying to get you together next Sunday after church. Oh, that's not convenient. I'm with my family. 
Well, give it up for one day. You've been with them for the last, I don't know, we've never had regular women's ministry here in this church for, oh, 10 years or so. So guess what? One Sunday, change your plans. Make a plan to go over. The little Debbie Dean, she, she's sick today, but you can connect with her on Facebook or I think her number's in our, in our thing. Give up your, the way, I'm sorry, on the city. Uh, give up the, the thing next week from 1 o'clock till 3. She needs an RSVB VP because she's wanting to um, feed you. Now, most of you may not know who she is. Well, that's okay. A stranger wants to love on you. So don't be like the people who are saying no to the hugs. Embrace this. Allow her to love on you. She's got a great Bible study I've looked at. I'm supporting it. I'm telling you. She's opening up her home. She's willing to do this. She's not taking the lead saying, everybody else fall in under me. She's saying, come alongside me and let's have some ministry amongst ourselves, woman to woman. So, I don't know how I can say it more emphatically. Can you say emphatic? Yeah. You know what emphatic means? With emphasis. Pounding the fist, emphasis. So, look in your bulletins. The phone number's in there, RSVP, carpool. It's easy to get to over there in, uh, in Benwood or whatever it is. I guess it's Benwood. Uh, what is it? Glendale. Easy to get to. And um, she's got limited parking, so I can tell you if you'll network, that'll be a good thing. She's probably fit 20 cars in there. But it's better for us if we carpool. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, meet at Walmart parking lot out there somewhere, find a place and, and make that happen, ladies, um, because that's what we need. We need to connect. Guys, we're going to be talking about that. We need to schedule a time for guys. If it's a steak thing, if it's a camping thing, whatever we're going to do, let's do a guy thing. But connection is so important. So here's what, what I want to end with. Not getting to, to, to uh, well, okay, let me do it. I got to do it because I'm only going to focus on those first eight verses of Romans 12. Okay, the first thing is, is how many remember 12, 1 and 2? What's it say? Romans 12, 1 and 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? For what purpose? So you'll know what your reasonable service of worship is, okay? That's the rest of that. But here's, most people don't pick up on this next part of it. It tells us the renewing and transforming of our mind, but it's there for a very specific reason or purpose, So then in verse 3, it actually starts to to talk about it. What's that which is good? You'll know what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And then, listen, it goes right on. Don't divide your Bible. For through the grace given to me, I say everyone, everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teachings." Or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let me give you the the connected words there real quickly in these verses. Verse 3, the first thing it starts out is that the body, to be able to, to, to have this, 
to not be conformed to the world, to be transformed, to have this will of God, which is good, acceptable, and perfect, right? Part of that's this unity. So guess what? It's connection. The connection there is faith. Each of us has been given a measure of faith, and what we need for that is humility. See, humility. Guess why? When we come together in a group, nobody's trying to lord their knowledge over the other and pile on and try to show off with what we know and what we've heard and what we've seen. Nobody wants to be fixed. How many people in here want to be fixed? Do you know what? You really don't want to be fixed. Because the first minute somebody tries to fix what they see in you that is wrong, you're going to refuse it. You're going to tell them, back off, buddy. I don't really want fixed. What I want is I want the master to wave the wand. But that don't happen so easy. Guess what? who he uses? And the lesser ones. He uses the lesser ones to confound the wise. Why? Because they're so wise in our own eyes. So I've come to that reality as a pastor. Nobody wants to be fixed. Don't preach to me. Don't tell me what the Word of God says. I know what the Word of God says. Okay, you're right. Excuse me for trying to be a pastor. So humility is the first thing. Then verse 5, 4 and 5 gives us another key about this connection, divine connection. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members don't have the same function, so we are... Many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So here we've got this diversity. The diversity. Do you guess what happens here? Diversity? That's a God thing. That's the way he wants it. He doesn't want us all to be robots coming in the same exact way. He wants you to celebrate personality and what he's put into you. What's the connection? Is unity. That with this diversity, we all come together with a unifying purpose, why we exist. Then the last thing is in, the, in verse 6 through 8 where it talks about all the gifts, service and serving and exhortation and giving. And what is that? Gifts and talents, right? That's a matter of using your gifts and talents, not for yourself. What's the connection? The connection boils down to grace. You know that? Because to be able to use your gift and your talent in the midst of a bunch of other people with that kind of diversity, you better have grace for each other. Otherwise, who does she think she is having a Bible study? How long has she been here? She's not been here near as long as I've been here. I've been here before pastor. Oh, get over yourself. If, it was, if you were going to do something, it'd be going on. You ain't got it going on, so we're getting somebody who stepped to the plate that says, I'm going to get it going on. Somebody comes to me and says, I want to do something. I said, let's make sure it's okay. I think we had a women's thing before. Hey, go for it. Go there. Do it. As long as you're going to exalt Jesus Christ, as long as we're not going to create some sort of major rift and weird theology and all that mess. But guess what? Go to do it. Get together, please. See? Confidence and boldness is what that talks about. To be able to use our gifts... So we've got to begin to have the mind of Christ to understand who he's made us to be so we can have the confidence, not about somebody else, but about me. Because guess what? Life will beat you up. It'll chew you and spit you out. And it has no concern for how good you feel. Get it? And that's why we need one another. That's what connection is about because if you need a shoulder to lean on or you need an arm to lift you, you need a hand to help you, then that's what the body of Christ is for because that's what we got. 
and we got the presence of God and we've got the power of God and he's for us and how good and pleasant it is when the people come together, the church, the body, to dwell together in unity. And unity begins and always is forged with love. That's the only, it's a glue that holds it all together is love. For God so loved the world. So let me tell you, stop trying to do things on your own. Try and make an impact and build your own kingdoms, even the kingdom within the kingdom. See, sometimes that's what we're doing. We're trying to run around doing all this stuff instead of joining in the big cause. Nehemiah and the building of the rebuilding of the wall. The only reason it got done is because he said, okay, enough. Everybody's running around doing whatever you want to do. Stop it. We got one purpose. We're going to build this wall. Brick in one hand and weapon in the other hand. Now, shut up and let's get to work. And that's what we're doing here is we're trying to say there's certain things that we need. One is our own connection, but then the other is our connection with the world outside. It's our connection to those who need to come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we can do that. And so everything we do is a matter of times we connect, ways we connect. Worship, game nights, movies, trips and excursions, family picnics, camping, training seminars. Why we connect? To develop relationships, to improve our our skills, to grow and understand faith, to be encouraged, to discover purpose in life. Personal prayer, practical counsel from the Bible. I got two things here. One was, I love the example they gave of a light bulb. Can you put that quote up? Um, You all know what a light bulb is. I don't have one with me here, so I'm just going to tell you, act like I'm holding a light bulb. Guess what a light bulb doesn't do when it's in my hand? It doesn't light. It doesn't shine, does it? It takes juice. You got to be connected, screwed in, whatever you want to call it. it. There's a way that you have to tap into the power source to be able to emit that. When he says... You are this light. That's what it is. So it says a light bulb creates an environment by its mere presence. I love that quote. A light bulb creates an environment by its mere presence. Now, here's the correction. A lit bulb creates an environment by its mere presence. Otherwise, a light bulb in a dark room without any connection is not really serving its purpose as a light bulb, is it? Folks, that's the way sometimes it is in the church is we're really not connected and we're not letting that light shine. It's not because we're not a light bulb. It's that we're not actually connected. That's what the body of Christ has to become is better connected. It says, Jesus stated the same thing when he told his followers, you are the light of the world. Christians like light should create a godly environment by our mere presence. People should notice when you walk in the room, there's a glory cloud. There's a Shekinah glory kind of thing that goes on. You emanate the power and the presence of God. Why? Because you're hooked in. I was reading about the 100th anniversary of the Titanic. It said that a uh, memorial was dedicated in Belfast. It says bronze plaques were placed beside City Hall that listed all of the victims. Uniquely... It is the first memorial to list those who perished in alphabetical order rather than defining them by distinction of crew or passenger and the class, first class, second class, third class, in which they traveled. The names don't reveal their status at death, just the reality 
that they died. It is reminiscent of the headline in a Kentucky paper that reported on the tragedy in 1912. It read, Millionaire and peasant, shoulder to shoulder, go to their death. Millionaire and peasant, shoulder to shoulder, go to their death. At the judgment, we all stand on equal ground with just one fact to distinguish us. Christ is our Lord and Savior. Serving in the church is never about who's better, who's more eloquent, who's knowledgeable, who pays more, who gives more, who anything more, who's better looking or not. Otherwise, I wouldn't be a pastor. You get it? You've got a gift and you've got a calling and you've got a purpose and your life matters. And God wants it to matter more and to matter more, you need to connect with a common vision and mission and purpose. That's my job is to help give us that direction. Part of it is connection. Without it, our lights don't really shine, do they? I like this last part. It's a prayer. It says, little Luke had been sent to his room for misbehaving and instructed to pray about his disruptive behavior. He later emerged from the bedroom and told his mom that he was finished praying. She affirmed his actions and reminded him that if he asked God to help him behave, he would give him strength to do so. Luke quickly corrected her understanding of what had happened. He said, I didn't ask him to help me behave. I asked him to help you put up with me. (laughs) See, sometimes we're getting it all wrong because we're always making it about somebody else instead of really just owning what God's putting his finger on in our own lives. Here's what I'd like us to do today to end with. Maybe some of you knew this was coming. You know what it is? How about hugs, handshakes, and high fives? You know I always tell you about hugs. It's important for us to understand that a hug is a holy thing that's been perverted. So in light of that, what we do as guys and gals is we do the lean in, we do the side hug. But, you know... We want to do it tastefully. So if you're a hugger, that's fine. If you're not, work on that. Put a handshake, give a high five. Do something that that, uh, that opens you up. That's what a hug does. It, It opens me up. Amen? So could you run that video one more time as we close today?